Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Happy, happy Thanksgiving for those of you in the U.S. And in the spirit of gratitude, I want to take this time to give thanks to all of you listeners for your kind words and support for this podcast. It really means a lot, and I have a special present for you dropping December 1st. It's been highly requested, so be on the lookout on (laughs) social media for it. I'm also really thankful for this week's guest. We actually started our career change together I remember sitting in our SF cramped studio slash living room slash my office and she was working on her career change that you'll hear later about and I was starting my business. She was also my first ever client so really we were really there for each other and now she's grown from a friend to practically family and will be singing my wedding song. She's probably laughing right now as she's listening to us. So without further ado, Christy Moy graduated from University of Virginia and one of the top undergraduate business schools in the U.S. She then went through a couple of career changes to find a job that is a good fit for her. And that has taken her across industries from marketing to customer success to finally recruiting as well as across coasts. During this time, she has not only gone from feeling burnt out to feeling fulfilled, but has also redefined success for herself and found a job that she doesn't just excel at, but also love. And now she helps others do the same. And we'll be dropping a lot of recruiter advice throughout this episode, so get excited! Hey Christy, welcome to the podcast! Hi Yangshi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I am so, so excited to talk to you, and especially since you are currently working as a recruiter and in that space, I think um, listeners will also get a lot of value out of just having your advice and your, you know, insider tips for people who are changing careers. So first, I would love to start with if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, what career you were in, and what you're up to now. So I am originally from Maryland. I grew up there and then I went to University of Virginia for college where I actually majored in business in IT and marketing. Um, I started off interning at Deloitte Advisory and then I graduated and worked at an ad tech company called Social Code where I did kind of like client services for marketing um, and managing ad campaigns. And then I went into customer success at a marketing tech firm. So kind of really just a background of marketing and customer success together before transitioning into recruiting. Awesome. And let's delve and go a little bit back into Mm -hmm. college. You mentioned that you majored in business and you had a couple, like a lot of majors. Yeah. (laughs) So when you were in that, um, how did you know, especially in marketing, how did you know that you weren't, it wasn't the right fit for you? So actually, interestingly enough, I started off as accounting in IT because my mom wanted me to be an accountant um, and to work at a big four. So when I was a first and second year, I spent a lot of time networking with those types of firms before I realized I was more interested in marketing, which in my opinion at the time was being able to tell a brand story. And it was really interesting to me about how you connected with the customer. 
Uh, so that's why I ended up picking that. But I had kind of this argument or discussion with my mom about changing my major and she was not pleased at all. So at the time that actually was a big thing for me to do because I wasn't used to going outside of what my parents wanted me to do for a career. Mm. What ended up happening was once I graduated and I was working in marketing, I realized that a lot of what you're doing um, or what I was doing specifically wasn't connecting with kind of my inner mission of wanting to help people. I think a lot of what I was doing was very revenue focused. And uh, for me, it was understanding that even though I really did like setting up, testing different campaigns, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't really feel like I was helping the customer. I was just helping the business to, you know, continue to make return on, on their ad spend. So for me, I kind of realized, you know, I wanted to be in a more people oriented role. And that's why I switched into customer success, because I thought teaching people about a product would be a way to help them feel like they're gaining value rather than just maybe a larger organization. Thanks for sharing that. I would love to delve deeper, a little bit deeper more into how was it like to go against, and this is pretty early, <laughs> we're bringing it in, in the, and pretty early in the conversation of where, how was it like to break, go against your parents or maybe like break out from the mold of um, your parental expectations and doing something that you felt like was more true to you? Because I think oftentimes I hear a lot about from my clients of um, feeling like they need to meet certain expectations, whether it's parental or societal. So I'm curious how you first navigated that obstacle. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, for me, kind of initially looking back, it was pretty scary uh, to have that conversation. And I, you know, I don't really like confrontation, but one of the things that enabled me was having tried an experience. So working at Deloitte, you know, I had evidence essentially that I wasn't connecting with what I was doing there. And I felt having the gut instinct of knowing this isn't something I want to do full time gave me the power to say, if I continue down that path, I don't really feel I'll be truly successful because I'm not excited by it. And what was more scary to me is being stuck in that same path you don't want to be in forever, rather than just, just trying to voice what's true to you. At the end of the day, my parents were supportive. I still graduated with a degree and I was able to find a job, which to them is the most important thing is financial stability. And it may not have been in the career they imagined for me, but for myself, I felt when I graduated, I was going into something I wanted, whether or not I had the experience to know it at that time, if that was going to be the fit down the road, you know, nobody can really say if they'll know. But I think once you try it and you kind of have had that experience, then it gives you that power to say, you know, I've, I've tried it. It didn't work out for me and that's okay. And I, I feel oftentimes when we don't try something, then we regret it. Uh, but once we do try it, then that kind of gives us a better understanding of what is motivating to us versus not. Mm, direct experience is really so, so important. And really kudos to you for not just trying out different paths, but also once you try to out, to not go back to it because it's so easy to you know stick with something because it feels comfortable and it's something that you're used to. So I really admire you for breaking out of the tendency to stick to what's comfortable. As you were exploring all these different paths, how did you realize that recruiting was 
the people-oriented thing that you were looking for? What was interesting, so first of all, one other thing to add about accounting, I was never really great at accounting class. I actually got a D on my final exam um, because I was so nervous and I entered in everything to the calculator wrong. So I, I never truly felt that was gonna be a viable path for me, but because of my parents, I, I tried it. And then I said, okay, ultimately not for me. When I was in marketing, like I said, I took a step back to think I'm outgoing and I love talking to people. And so to me, customer success made a lot of sense. It was like an extension of what I was doing, but less focused on doing it for the customer and more on enabling them to understand how to do it. And then once I was in that role, I realized I, some of the challenges I faced there was that I wanted to go deep with every single customer and I, I didn't necessarily have time to do that. And for me, I kind of went back to the drawing board completely. I, I took a complete step back and I said, you know what, I wanna figure out something not that I just think I'm gonna be good at. And this came from my friend at a dinner, but something that I'll really like, because she said, if you like it, you'll be successful at the end of the day, because you'll be motivated to learn how to be successful mm -hmm. at it. And I think that to me was the point at which I realized I had loved just like reaching out to college friends after I had graduated to say like, hey, I think you'd be great for this role. You're really good at these things. Watching them get a job, seeing them be so happy. For me, it just felt very natural whenever people were interviewing to want to like review their resume for fun or like coach them, you know, on how to get through the process and be confident and tell their story and really own how they bring something amazing to the table. And that's when I started to really think about, okay, well, there's recruiting and there's people operations, which is kind of a broader umbrella that includes retaining people. That's the HR component. And I said, well, it seems like I really, I really care about getting people into the job they like first, because it seems like when I was going through the process, I couldn't even just navigating that shift was really hard for me. And I, I did a bunch of my own experiments, right? And I just want people to get into the job they love. And then once they're there, they can figure out how to grow within their role or, or figure out that maybe they want to switch again, right? And so I think for me, it was kind of like also the end of the year. I was going into the new year and I, I really took a step back to think, what is something I like that I would do for free? <laughs> mm, uh, and it seemed so like good. resume reviewing, you know, helping people get a job was something I naturally was doing outside of work on my own time. And I, I was like, you know, I, even for strangers, not even just for friends, like I'd be connected with like a friend of a friend and, you know, and then I help them get a job and it'd be like the most amazing feeling. And, and that's when I knew, I think recruiting would, would be something I would really enjoy. It's so beautiful to hear you going back to your roots of what you actually really enjoy and what you're naturally good at, which is a characteristic and quality that I see in a lot of fulfilling careers and people who I work with. I'm curious for you, I think there's often this myth that we can't do something we enjoy doing. We often see work as something that just pays the bills or something that we have to separate our actual interests with work. So how did you know that it was possible to go after something you enjoy and actually making it into a career? It was a couple of things. One was I felt like I could experiment for free. So working with you, for example, during that time frame when I was going through a shift and, and thinking about, okay, how could I basically set up a consulting service to review resumes and help people go through the job process, gain the experience without having a formal job. So I felt like, okay, maybe going into the interview process, I 
I have something to say that's relevant to this position. Uh, the second thing for me was that I had an incredible network and one of my really good friends became my mentor and he was willing to show me the ropes and say, you, you know, I've been in this career, this is what I see in you and here's how we can expand on your potential so you can succeed in this role. So it was working with other people to discover that I could take the talent and the strength I thought I had and then actually concretely do it and use their best practices to make me successful that then gave me the full confidence to really go for it and 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 realize you know what this this will work for me and I, and and I like it and and that's the best part is that I actually like it um because with the other jobs before it was just like oh I I think I'm good at interacting with people so customers make sense right and it was just kind of guessing but not being in that and not being able to do it in any way beforehand and and I felt like that to me that's why once I got into it full time I I was like okay the expectation versus reality was you know it was different and for this recruiting transition and this career switch it, it felt much smoother because it's like I aligned the reality with the expectation up, up front yeah definitely and especially since you were trying out and and experiencing how it would be like even before making the switch and you brought up a really good point of seeking out outside resources because I think oftentimes we think that we have to go at it alone in our careers and something that I actually wish I did earlier when I was making my own career switch was um, getting a career coach sooner and you know finding people who are mentors and people who are in the line of work that I want to go into. Can you talk a little bit more about um, any other fears that you've had during this transition? For me the biggest fear I had was thinking that I would go into this and then just not like it again. Mm. I think just having tried a lot of different things in the span of maybe three or four years is it's a lot of change all at once. And it can feel very uncertain and unstable. Like your life is a roller coaster. And so for me, this final transition, I really, I felt like I needed to get it right. So it, it was almost like I put additional pressure on myself to do that, but it was almost like a good pressure in the sense that I was really able to establish what I wanted. And I, I really, like when I talk about going back to the drawing board, even before I picked recruiting, I, I took personality tests. I, you know, I, I looked at careers outside of tech. I, I, I felt like I just had to widen the scope of what I looked at before I could really just narrow down and say, no, maybe this isn't what I'm thinking next. No, this isn't what I'm thinking next. And I, I think the process of doing that assured me that I would eventually, because I'd spent so much time thinking about it, like almost overthinking it. It's like, I, I couldn't get it wrong because it's like, you've done all this research, you've analyzed like line by line by line. Right. And at the end of the day, it was like, even if I get this wrong, I felt like the last time when I went into recruiting, it's like, I knew how to approach it. I had this framework where, whereas before I, I didn't, it was just kind of guessing and knowing that I forever had this framework of how to approach that switch was really comforting that even if it didn't work out, okay, then I'll use the same framework again and I'll go from there. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about this framework? Yeah. So this framework is actually your framework, Yangshi, <laughs> uh, but it, 
it is this framework where you're able to take and understand what your natural strengths are and think about what type of work would be good and actually then go out and do a project that where you see essentially your strengths coming to life with the type of work you're doing. And I had never used that before. I, again, it was all just guesswork of perception and then also not only thinking about my perception, but society's perception, right? So to me, customer success felt very high status because it's this role that's new in tech and it's vital to every organization because you protect revenue and it's, it's kind of like sexy, right? Whereas I felt like with recruiting, maybe there was some stigma around being salesy or having to constantly reach out or almost be bothersome to people. And I didn't want to feel pushy, right? Because that to me would make me uncomfortable, but doing it and then realizing, you know, I'm not really being pushy. It's more just like understanding like, what does that person want and seeing if this opportunity is going to be fit for them. And so that framework of, of using actual experience and, and side projects within a time frame to, to test your theory really was very effective for me. Mm, that is so amazing to hear. And really, you know, your, all your hard work and applications of the framework paid off. You were connected with senior recruiters in the industry and they even started reaching out to you before you were actually making the switch. Exactly. Yeah. And to me, that was mind blowing. It was something in, in none of my past roles that had happened to me. And to realize that I could go down this path and other people were seeing the potential even before I was, was it's crazy. <laughs> it, it felt like it was meant to be. Mm, I think that's really the ultimate um, career changer's dream is to be able to so easily transition into their next career. And not saying that it wasn't hard for you or anything because I I was there when you were making through the transition and there was a lot of fear and doubt and everything that was coming up. But I think what does make it more useful is that you're very crystal clear on what the right next career for you is because you've done so much experimentation and you took the time to really think about it versus just jumping into something random or, you know, looking through LinkedIn posts, which I know is what people tend to do when they first think think about a career change, looking out instead of looking inwards. Yeah, exactly. And I think just from my own personal experience and some friends of mine, it seems like when they do want to make a switch because they're unhappy at where they're currently at, they don't know exactly what the next role for them that's going to be right. So then when they when it comes to searching, they apply for three different roles at once. But then unfortunately when you do that, you know, your story of why you want to connect to each role might be a little bit shaky because you, you don't know and you haven't tried it. And it's, and then, and then the recruiter is sitting there thinking, okay, they sound like they want this, but they've also applied to these other two roles at my company. So I'm not really sure what they want. And then that makes it harder for the recruiter to then, you know, advocate for them to the team to say, you know, I really believe that they are a perfect fit for this type of role because the candidate is unsure of themselves. And so I think that key step of knowing and really thinking hard and, and doing some research around what type of work you want to get into next and, and maybe just try and get out in some way, shape or form is, is super important. Because if you don't, then you're just applying to this job hoping, okay, I'll go in with some of this experience I have that's completely unrelated. And I have no idea what this role is going to look like in 
you know, six months for me. I, I don't know what I'll be doing and how it's going to connect to what, with what I did. But if, if you kind of take that time to experiment with knowing what you want and, and doing it through some sort of project or uh, going to like take a class or an online or connecting with somebody in your network who has that role, then you're going to go in with a much better idea to the interview process. And that's actually going to help you to get further and actually get that job. Christy is dropping a lot of insider recruiter tips right now, which is awesome. And yeah, I remember you coining this term as like the spray and pray technique where you're just applying to everything and you're praying that it will work out for you when really that makes it really, really overwhelming. And I've been going on a lot of consultation calls with potential clients recently. And a common theme that I see is that they are really, you know, multi-talented and interested in a lot of things and their skill sets are so great and that there is a lot of potential for them to go into a couple different roles and that can feel confusing at the same time. So there's like the upside and there's the downside. And this is why, again, it's so important to really get clear on what you want. And an interesting story that I think listeners would um, find valuable is that when you were career changing during this phase, you were actually also thinking about potentially becoming a PM. So could mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that and how you were able to hone in on recruiting? Yes. So being a PM or a product manager was my first dream. So when I was in college, I took a computer science class and I, it turns out I wasn't a great coder, but I really liked managing uh, the development with the requirements for the software. And when I moved to SF, I thought going into customer success would, you know, ultimately be a stepping stone to product manager, because if you can teach a customer how to use the product, then you can ultimately build a customer centric product. And for me, I, when I kind of took a step back, I thought about PM and if I really wanted that. And then I thought, oh, some of the things in Silicon Valley about being a PM, for example, learning to code is advantageous. And I just could not bring myself to learn to code on the side. And I realized that that would put me ahead in that career. And then I thought about why, why didn't I want to learn to code? Um, and, and the reason I, I, I felt I didn't really truly want to code was because I couldn't see how that was gonna benefit other people in the long run. And whereas with recruiting, I, I could directly see the impact. And uh, that's another reason why Deloitte and accounting didn't work out for me was because in advisory, I, I felt like I just put out recommendations with no action or they didn't have to listen to my recommendations and they could just do whatever they wanted. And so understanding that I'm kind of a result oriented person made me feel like, okay, well, recruiting, it's like, I can literally see when somebody gets a job, how that changes their life. But with piano, again, learning to code, you know, I, I can't connect that to how that's empowering somebody. I mean, it is like in, in a very, very, very indirect way. But for me, I realized, you know, if I truly wanted to be a PM, I would just be doing these things. I would be going to hackathons. I, I would just constantly want to do it. And it, it almost didn't feel first nature enough for me to think, that was something I really wanted. Whereas, you know, I had met a girl at a party and she told me she wanted to move to San Francisco. She was living in Boston and I offered to review her resume. I coached her on how to get 
this marketing position, which she immediately did within three weeks. And I was just like, I was like, this is it. This is what makes me feel good. It's like, I will literally just be able to kind of take somebody, understand where they're coming from and tell them like, you know, these are the tools and things that you need to be successful in this role. Is that something you want? And here's how to get there. And so that's when I knew PM is great. It, it, it's something I still think, you know, would be fun maybe in the future, but it just didn't feel like that was my mission. And, and that wasn't my persona to want to do that all the time. Whereas like recruiting was, so getting the Sunday scaries doesn't really happen because it's like, I'm still doing this outside of work for like free for my friends or friends of friends. Right. And that's the part where it's like, when you don't dread going to work, like I did for maybe, I don't know, like two, two years or so. Mm. Right. It's, it's like you feel free. You feel like you can just be yourself. And maybe what was kind of scary to realize is that I didn't really feel like I was being my full self at my previous jobs either because it was like I was almost trying to do this work, but not really connecting it to how I thought I could help the world. And then that to me made me feel kind of, you know, not excited to be there either. So when you're excited to do the work you want to do, not only do you do better in it, but you feel better about yourself too. And it, it's like this great feedback loop that it's just awesome. It, it just makes you feel so good. You brought up so, so many great points. Um, let's talk a little bit more about being fully yourself. I know personally for me and for the people around you for, you know, so long, it's so obvious that you're very much um, people, you're so friendly and warm and recruiting just seems like the perfect role for you. Um, but before you, you know, change into that, sometimes it's hard to see that for yourself. And I know that in the past you were in, especially in marketing, you were in pretty analytical roles and you're feeling burnt out and you were questioning if you have the skill set. So can you talk a little bit more about that and how you were able to, you know, align your career to something that's fundamentally fundamentally you versus trying to change yourself for the role because I think oftentimes we try to fit ourselves in this box and we think that it's normal and that really limits our potential yeah so I think one of the coolest things that I've realized is that I was actually able to take a lot of the skills I had from my first jobs and like you said marketing and, and customer success and actually apply them to recruiting what's been crazy is to realize that I didn't know that recruiting can have that kind of analytical side or that I'd necessarily need to use those skills. But I, I do, I do actually, when I'm thinking about taking a time to fill a position, I got to do an analysis of how many people I've interviewed versus how many people have passed and things like that. So I am still using that skill set, but in a different way. So I think the question that you asked was understanding how did you know you had the skills to do the recruiting job? Is that right? Yeah, because I know during that time you were also questioning if you could be successful at a role and it was really about it not being a great fit versus being on you. So for the other people who are currently struggling in their roles or thinking that they don't have what it takes to succeed, what advice would you recommend? I get what you're getting at. For me in my last two working environments, I realized that I felt like I, I didn't have the skill set. But I think everybody can build skills. 
everybody can learn. It's just a matter of how much time does the company give you to develop and learn those skills and how do you want to apply those skills in a way that the company feels is, is valuable. So I think in the first job, I was determined to become a PM somehow. And, and I kept telling my manager, you know, I would love to be a PM. And I tried to actually take classes that were related to PM, but you know, that ultimately didn't further me in my role as kind of this analytics person. So that's when I realized, okay, if I wanted to be in this other role, but I can't kind of have the opportunity to explore that there, and I don't really love being in Excel all day, then maybe it's not just me. Maybe it's not just that my Excel skills could be better. It's maybe that I don't even want to be in Excel and I want to be at a company where they're like, oh, this is your day-to-day -day role where you don't have to be in Excel. Mm. So that was the first step was realizing, okay, I need a new role that's not just 90% Excel. That's when I got into customer success. And then with customer success, what I realized is one of the most fundamental things about customer success is communication. And I was on a team that was very experienced and I was relatively junior. And for me to learn at the kind of learning curve that I was at, for me, it felt like an uphill battle. Like I would just take on so much even outside of work to do that and still not feel like I was making enough progress. And to me, it was then again, a factor of knowing, okay, I'm in this role. I'm spending a lot of my time doing this. And now I'm being given resources to do this in a better way. But then at the end of the day, was what I was doing making me feel like I was making a difference to that organization or, or how, how did I see this tying into my bigger career path? That's where I felt a little bit unsure at that time. And I think one thing that's really important to think about is does this working environment work for you? Because when you're an experienced team, they're going to tell you exactly how to do things in a way they want it done. And now in a role that I'm in, I'm coming from a team that's brand new. I basically started this team. I had the autonomy to take everything I learned and apply it. And that makes a world of difference because I'm the type of person who wants to kind of build, build from the ground up. That's why I want to be a product manager, right? I want to build something from scratch. And with recruiting and, and the current environment I'm in, I, I get to do that. Whereas at the first two roles, I was, I was coming into big organizations that had experienced people that were going to teach me how to do it in this exact way. And I had to do it their way. And I didn't love that. <laughs> I wanted to be able to try things my way and, and explore. And unfortunately, being in environments where you can't do that, it, it feels really constraining. And so for me, when I got into this role, this new role that I'm in, and I had three months to kind of pilot a bunch of different things and, and just go for it with approval from a manager, I was like, wow, I've never had this type of experience. And that's when I realized like, okay, maybe it wasn't just about the skills that I had and whether or not I could perform these skills. It's whether or not the manager mm. in the environment cares about how I use those skills and how, how much autonomy and creativity I get versus not having that. That's an amazing point that you brought up because I think oftentimes we blame ourselves when something doesn't work out and we, you know, are, associate ourselves with quote unquote failure. 
and we don't think about how manager makes such a big difference. And I remember, you know, after our coaching session, you were like, I really wish I had a manager like you. And I think that is a change that needs to happen in organi organization, especially in, you know, those bigger, more traditional companies and working environment also impacts us so much. And this is something that I also recommend, you know, clients to look for when they're changing roles um, or changing careers. It doesn't necessarily have to be a role, but company size also matters a lot. And I really like how you brought up that not everything was lost when you changed into a more creative career. Like it's not a waste because a common um, obstacle that I hear from people is that they think they have to let go of everything and all this, you know, all these years and skills that they were building up that it has just gone to waste. So it's really cool seeing you or hearing you talk about how it's incorporated in your creative career. And I also, from personal experience, I really didn't like marketing back in the day. And I just realized that because I was working so much with data, I was in growth marketing, I was optimizing button colors, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, the drill. And, and now I have grown to love marketing in the sense that it helps me build the business, but also marketing like from your soul and really speaking to your audience versus doing all these more analytical things. Exactly. And I think when you're in the tactical moment, it's hard to, you look at it one way where when you're in an environment and in a certain role, and then once change or shift that role, it's, it's almost like you develop this appreciation and, and you're able to take it and look at it in a different light. And it it's just something that eventually happens where you realize I'm actually grateful for this experience I had because mm -hmm. now I again know like this wasn't all bad I, I got something from it and it hasn't just been something that I'm just gonna lose it, it's actually made me kind of like go in with this new perspective and, and be able to approach problems with a different outlook because I've had that experience so when a lot of people are changing careers like you said it is it is like they are, they feel to some degree that's just going to be forgotten, but in a lot of ways you'll find it, it'll just reemerge in, in a different light. Definitely. And on the topic of creative careers, I know you mentioned that earlier that you were in business school and in another conversation that we had, you mentioned that there were some judgment around going to business school and almost in a sense forfeiting that stability for something that's more creative and maybe less prestigious. So could you kind of share your thoughts around that, um, especially for people who are hesitant to give up what they majored in college or feel fearful of others' opinions of them? Yeah, so this happened to me actually in a specific instance when I was at a casual social setting like a party and to be told like, wow, I I can't believe you've done that. It seems what happened to you. And I was shocked. It was like somebody took a knife and just like, like slashed your face or something with it. And I think what kept me going was one, I had built the belief in myself that I could do this because I had tried it and I had the experience. And the second thing was knowing that I had this supportive network of, of friends and, and mentors who also believed I could do it. And it is hard to kind of plow ahead when a lot of people don't think you're getting ahead for yourself. And 
the thing about it is only you at the end of the day know what's best for you. Mm. Only you know what speaks to your soul. Only you know if you're lying awake in the middle of the night and you feel like not great about your life, right? And other people are always going to try and tell you what's right for you. And one thing that this process taught me was that I can trust myself because I, I will be there for myself at the end of the day. I will, I'm going to be the one who's going to pick up the pieces if they fall. And I think kind of with all of that and, and just letting it kind of just like roll off your back. It's like the Taylor Swift quote, like haters going to hate, right? So shake it off, you know, and that's, that's what I did. I just said, that's one thought. And, but he doesn't know how I feel about it. You know, he didn't know. I, I felt really happy for the first time in five years. He just mm. looked at me from the angle of social media mm. and this one lens. And maybe we hadn't talked in five years. So he had no idea how I felt. And just knowing that he probably wasn't coming from a hurtful space either. And he just really didn't have the full story made me feel like it's human to, to make assumptions and we really have to push ourselves to, to know the story behind before making an assumption and to trust ourselves when we do have the story that we've created for ourselves and, and to live it because, because we can. And, and not just because other people don't think we can. We have to do it because we feel that's right for us. Mm, that is so, so powerful. And it reminds me of an earlier episode with another podcast guest where, you know, she went through med school and residency, basically in the whole space for about 12 years. And she mentioned that when she finally changed into something that was more creative as a writer and artist, that was the first time that she really felt alive in the last 12 years. Exactly. And I think for me, I, I felt more alive once I had switched than I had did in the last three roles. And, and surprisingly, I, w I wasn't even going into an office at the time. I, I was working remotely and I felt more alive. And I, I think that's the power of feeling connected and engaged with what you do versus being in a great working environment, loving the people around you, but not feeling fulfilled by the role. People around you may not be there forever either. And, and you can't just rely on, on, on having your friends at your work to keep you going and, and keep you there if that's not what fulfills you as a person. Mm -hmm. And that's something I realized as well in my, I also had a first dream job that was in San Francisco and marketing. And I thought it was a perfect thing for me, right? It was in California. It was in the land of startups. Like it was in social impact. It was in education. I thought everything was lined up. Then after working there for a couple of years, that was when I realized that Yes, everything else lined up, but ultimately what's the most important at the end of the day is the day-to-day -day work that I'm doing. And if I don't, I'm not enjoying that, then everything kind of falls apart on its own or it's just not enough for a fulfilling career. Exactly. And I think if you think about it from like, if I wake up in 50 years and I look back at my career and I feel like I was just stuck in this one job and I really didn't like it. And then it's like, I didn't even have time outside of my job to look into any of the other hobbies. Mm. Like this triple whammy of feeling like I wasn't successful in my career and I have no idea what I'd like to do outside of my career because I spent all these hours just trying to be perfect at that, right? And I think it is scary. It is always going to be scary to take a leap. But what's scarier, in my opinion, is if you don't take the leap and you just stay and you let yourself be miserable and then you fast forward 20 years and you're telling your kids, I... I hated my job. I did it because I wanted to feed you. And that was the only reason I did it. And it's, it's, you know, loving parents, you know, will sacrifice. And, but I don't think in this day and age, we, we have to sacrifice. I think it's, it's a new kind of 
shift. And I, I think, you know, when, even no matter what age you are, it's, it's never too late in my opinion. You can always, one action can make all the difference. So even if it's scarier, you know, just close your eyes and think, am I gonna be happy in 20 years if, if I'm still doing this? And then, you know, what, what if I die tomorrow? You know, that's, that's morbid, but you know, mm -hmm. literally if you did die and, and you were doing something you weren't fulfilled by, would, would that make you feel good? And I think a lot of people then taking that all into perspective, they're like, you know, it is worth it. I, I can do this. And I think it, it takes that kind of like, almost like solemn life perspective, deep soul search to almost push people to, to do these drastic things. Mm. Yeah, that exercise, the forecasting and just um, thinking about you're at your funeral or, you know, you're on your deathbed is a really powerful exercise I found too. And it's been recommended by a lot of the guests on this podcast as well. I think you also brought up a really interesting point that I love to dig deeper into is sacrifice, especially with Asian parents. Um, they, there is this theme of them sacrificing themselves for us and so we can have better education, etc. So I'm curious for you, and this is a question from one of the listeners, is that how do you think having Asian values and upbringing affect the way you think about careers, about sacrifice, and if there is any sacrifice that we should expect to make as a career changer. The story I was kind of mentioning about somebody who made a sacrifice, that was actually my mom. Mm. Uh, so worked at one job for 30 years and she she didn't love it. She actually started off in a role she did like, and then she was told it is more trendy to do this other role. Mm. And then kind of just got stuck um, because she wanted to have that stability for her family. And so for me, when it, when it comes to sacrifice, I think I'm lucky that I'm at this point in my life where I, I don't have a family or, you know, I, I don't have to think about how my career decisions affect my direct family or people I'm supporting in terms of sacrifice and, and having high standards. I think one thing to know is that if you do make a career change and you are taking a pay cut, that doesn't decrease your worth, right? Because I think, you know, just, it's like wanting to get that A. It's like, oh, now I got this, you know, I'm going backwards if I'm not going up in terms of the number. And the thing is that the number will go up if you like what you do. So yes. it is kind of, when you when you change jobs important to know that you might have to sacrifice the stability of a large company or the large compensation number or, or some, some of these comforts or the high standards that we kind of see ourselves wanting to be in an environment like that and going outside of your comfort zone in that way and ultimately what i say to people is is usually that sacrifice up front to maybe do something that's a little bit uncomfortable like take a pay cut or you know work at this smaller organization it ultimately pays off even if it doesn't work out in the long run because that experience is is not something that can ever be taken away from you and and that knowledge that you gain from from knowing and then and using that moving forward that's been such a common theme in all my comments but but really it, it it is very powerful to operate off of what you know versus what you guess and i think that's why it holds a lot of people back not wanting to make that sacrifice of of that you know these types of things because but the thing is like all hard things require sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. You want to lose weight, you got to make sacrifice. You want to like 
do any of these like personal goals, like, right, for like wellness or, or any of them, they require some sort of trade-off or sacrifice. And it doesn't mean that it's gonna, the sacrifice lasts forever. It just means it's something you're willing to do because you realize the bigger picture, what you're getting to is worth it and that you're worth it. And that that number is not the value of your worth. The value of your worth is who you become and how you feel about yourself. Wow, I just <laughs> need to clap for you. That was incredibly, incredibly powerful. And it really mimics the internal personal journey that I also had to go on as I changed careers, especially in Silicon Valley, where you know everyone is earning six figures and as marketers are earning like half of that and really struggling with that and realizing that my self-worth is not tied to the number. The number is only a market value assessment of my skills. And I am worth more than that number. I, the, I like you mentioned, the experiences that I've had, the learnings and knowledge, the wisdom, it's, it can't be encapsulated in a number and success can't be encapsulated in that number. For you now, how would you say you define success now versus how you defined it before in the past? For me, success is, it's that Maya Angelou quote that I love so much. It's not about what you say. It's not really about what you do. It's how you make other people feel. Mm. And for me, success is a feeling. It's a feeling of knowing that you feel like your life is together. It's a feeling of no knowing you feel like you're worth it, regardless of how other people perceive you. To me, success is is feeling like you have the freedom to be who you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. And before my definition of success was, you know, hitting milestones at a certain time. So after two years, you hit this milestone. After three years, you hit this milestone, right? It, like, it's like college, you just, you gotta work and then achieve that goal and then get to the next goal. It's, it's a checklist. It's, it's that mentality of thinking success is you know, something I have to do and it's a to-do list of getting there versus, Success is creating what I want for myself and nobody can really ever take away a feeling, right? And they can't take away the experience of what I've learned. And so that's, is, it's, it's like the biggest shift in the world of, of knowing that I don't feel like I just measure success on if I'm fired, if I get promoted, if I, if I do these things and it's really about just how I feel and if I can really see myself continuing to grow this feeling of of knowing like what you're doing is right for you and and that you can be empowered whereas before i think success was just how we've always defined it in our education system and i feel that makes all the difference it seems like your definition of success really changed from these external metrics that we often look to and it's shifted to more internal ones like self-growth and self-trust. And this is a theme that I often see in people who feel really fulfilled in their careers. So that's really, really amazing. And as we are looking back, you know, into the past, what would you say was the turning point for you to change into what you've know for so long what you're used to you know marketing and customer success and to take that leap into a more creative career like recruiting i think the turning point was realizing a series of events had occurred 
that I had already started kind of being in this mindset of a recruiter before I was even formally having the title of it. I think it was knowing that I wanted to try this. I felt like I could be good at it. And then I, I tested with other people helping them get jobs. And, and, and then I was successful and, and they got jobs that they liked. And I think then one day I, I was sitting in a coffee shop and I was talking to my mentor and I said to him, like, oh my God, I, I got this person a job. And I, I didn't think I could do that just by like re reviewing the resume and giving them a bunch of tips about how it worked for me. And he said, Christy, this is, you were meant to do this. Mm -hmm. Like I saw it from you, even on day one, you referred six people at the same company we worked at and it was just a matter of time. And I think that for me was the point at which like, wow, it was like going from like knowing I was doing it to then being like, yes, full speed ahead towards this career that I could be great at and love. That is such an amazing story. And I think oftentimes we have these blind spots about what our natural strengths and talents are. And sometimes it does take someone else to point it out to us. If we want to discover it for ourselves, do you have any tips on how to, you know, go back to the root of things and really pinpoint what you're naturally good at. So I love this test called the strength finder test. I think after I took that test, I understood why I got into the careers I did get into because on paper, it, it looks good. Those personality traits for doing these types of jobs, there's some alignment, but it's not like 80 or 90% alignment. And then when I took that quiz and I saw my top five strengths and then I looked at the strengths of what a recruiter has and how that how each of these strengths could be applied I saw like basically almost like a like a 90 to 100 percent match and like I said with some people don't be afraid to to think outside the box of what you think you could be at right or stay in the same same exact industry like really go and and take go back to the drawing board completely just you know, take a personality quiz, take, take, take these different versions of assessments and, and then think about like how you want to hone in on these potential careers or like write down why you don't think that job would work out for you, why you don't think this job, why, 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 right? And then you have all that kind of written down. And then once you get to that point, then you can, you can make a decision, right? It's like for people who have a hard time picking the restaurant they want to eat at, they can choose what they don't want to eat at first to get to what they actually want to eat. And so just kind of do that same thing with the career roles. Like think about like, no, like this is not going to be for me. No, this is not going to be for me. Think about all those reasons why it's not no, no for you. And then that probably leads to why it is good for some other role. Right. So those are my pointers, personality tests, go back to the drawing board, get outside of the industry or the roles you think you could do and, and go broader and then really call it down. Just, just go through all the no knows and then understand why you're no on all of those. Yeah, and to your earlier point, this is where past experiences are so valuable because from them, and even if you're in a unfulfilled career now, you can start thinking about, okay, what don't I like about this job? And look for something that's on the other side of the spectrum because it will tell you so much about what you prefer, whether it's the type of people you want to work with, the amount of flexibility in your work, your work environment. And for you, at what point did you feel really confident that you made 
the right decision for changing into recruiting. I knew I had made the right decision after I had been at my job for three months, maybe working more hours than I should have and still wanting to do it and, mm. and keep doing it just after hours. I think that sort of passion to want to do your work outside of a work hour is a good gauge that that is something you like doing. And I think another big milestone for me was when I, I realized I liked the working environment. Like you said, it kind of goes back and I, I actually use that question a lot in interviews. Like what are one or two things you, you like about your environment? What are one or things, one or two things you don't like? And there was a point I realized like, I liked the working environment because it was different from the past ones I had. And I think once, once you have that, once you have that feeling of, of knowing that you're doing this for you and you like doing it and that it's the right environment, that's when the whole picture comes together because you either get it right on you and a scale, but wrong environment or wrong environment, but right role. A lot of times I think with people, you just have to get both right. And, and that's when everything feels like it's in harmony. Mm -hmm. That's why experimentation is so important, right? And you talked about honing in on what career you want to pursue, but also honing in on top of your skill sets too, like what you did with starting your own recruiting consultancy and really practicing that and gaining that experience. I'm curious, what would you say is a one thing that has helped you the most in navigating your change? And I know we've talked about so many. <laughs> Ooh, that is, yeah, that is a, that is a tough question for me. I think, I think this is kind of maybe not the answer you would think about, but I think the key is not to give up. It's yeah. not to give up on trying to find what's right for you and, and to keep going despite all of the, you know, doubts in your head to go, what other people think just to want to keep trying, because I think it is really tiring emotionally, mentally, even maybe physically for some people, because you're probably sitting in front of the computer, just pouring hours into, into thinking about this one thing. And I think just knowing that when you're going through it and, and you maybe have a breakdown and you don't feel great about yourself, that that's normal. And other people feel this way and, and they've been through that and, and they still got through it. And that's okay if you need a night to just, you know, do something and, and not think about it and, and to just take your mind off of it, but then know that you're, you're still going to finish it. You're going to finish the race, you know, and you don't have to have the fastest time for the race, but you, you, you will finish. And yeah, I think that's the one thing that kind of anchors you is knowing that I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let anybody stop me. And once I do it, it's, it's going to feel completely different and I'm going to feel like a new person. Mm, that's actually something that I've been thinking about a lot recently as well is that we take actions that are aligned with what we believe in. And so if we believe that we can achieve that ideal career and that the ideal career exists and it's possible for us to have a fulfilling career, then we won't stop looking and we'll see the opportunities that are around us and we'll pursue it and we will most likely achieve it because there is such a strong belief in that. Exactly. And I 100% agree. I think 
the analogy I love to use is if you're determined to lose weight and you have a day where maybe you cheat and that doesn't align with your belief, but your belief is so strong that you're like, okay, but I'm going to keep going. It's okay that I did that one thing that was off this path, but I believe that I'm going to make this goal work and I'm going to align all my actions to that. Even if, you know, I have a few mistakes along the way, that's okay. Mistakes are normal again. And, and lessons can be learned from every mistake. Mm -hmm. And this also reminds me of two things. One is something that I haven't really shared on this podcast before is as a side project, I took up dancing and six months in, I was really about to quit. You know, it was so hard. It was such a struggle. And what I didn't, I persevered. I kept on practicing. And that was a really turning point for me in that if I had given up at that moment, I would have probably thought for the rest of my life that, okay, I'm not a good dancer. I am not fit to dance. And I think I would have carried it with me for so long, but because I had persevered and continued with it, it was really very much of a turning point because after that point, I just got exponentially better. And I think about how often we come really close to a goal or success. And if we give up, we don't know how far we're or how close we were to it. Um, and even now, it's really exciting to talk about how my business, I feel like I'm at a breakthrough right now. And you hear so much about people giving up after a year or so. And I'm two years in and I just can't imagine what would it have been like if I had given up in May and haven't invested in myself and tried out different things and experimented. I would have been so close to where I am at now. Yeah, I think, you know, I have a friend who did a job search and didn't come up with anything she wanted at the end of it. And it was so frustrating. It was, you know, it was crushing. And she came back to it. She revisited it. She gave it a couple months, took a couple months off. And then she got to her goal of where she wanted to be in her search. And she got the job that she really wanted. Right. And that to me is just an example that you don't give up if that's what you really want for yourself. Right. And again, it's, it's kind of taking the ownership of knowing that you kind of are able to shape your career and, and your life and nobody else is going to kind of like hand it to you. And that even if you stop, that doesn't mean you've stopped forever. You can always try again. You can always start again. And so you know, it's amazing to me that you were able with your business to keep going, even through maybe what are probably really hard times. And, and that to me is like a sign that that's what you really wanted for yourself. And even though maybe it didn't make sense to anybody else, it made sense to you. And that's why you got to the point where you are now, where it is successful, not just to you as a feeling, but from the external metrics that everybody else sees. And so I'm really glad that you shared that. I think that really again it's it's this mindset that we have and sometimes it's just getting out of your own head and th that's when you get ahead mm, I'm gonna have to steal that quote <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely I don't know I just my brain is just ah oh, I feel so great right now I love this Yenji like this is awesome mm, well we're close to the ending but not quite there yet um before we get there yeah I really want to bring up the point you brought up about not just not giving up because that's what you need to do to achieve your goal, but that it's okay to temporarily pause and then restart again. Because I think oftentimes when we stop, we think about 
okay, that's failure. I already, you know, had a cheat day in terms of like weight loss or um, when we're trying to build a habit, you know, I already skipped a day and so I'm going to stop. But really the power is when you get up from when you stop. That's really where um, the determination and you building up that muscle of getting back up again happens. I would say that's probably the most important part is Exactly. falling and then getting back up again and it's okay to fall off the wagon yeah exactly and I the more times you fall the more resilience you have to know that you can have the courage to stand back up and to try again yeah and nothing is ever really going to truly knock you down yeah the only thing that can really do that is what we mentioned before which is death and until that happens you have a chance and that's why maybe people who have changed careers you know they have all this empathy because they know what it's like to feel like you're constantly being knocked down because when you do the, the change, sometimes it, it feels like, it, it feels like, oh my God, the world is against me. Like, this is not meant to be like, it's so hard. Like maybe I should just give up and quit. But that's, that's the moment when you become you, you become yeah. the new person that you wanted to be, that you wanted to feel like you could be happy being at any moment. That's when it happens is that moment you say, no, I'm not going to let other opinions stop me from being who I am. So, so good. Well, you all have heard it from recruiter and career coach that my friend, you just keep on going. And this is also a question that I ask all of my guests, which is what is your favorite career resource or book? Well, this is, <laughs> this is a really tough question to answer for me. Um, one thing is, one thing is very difficult for me to pick. Let's see. I think the one thing you can always tap into immediately is your network. You can always reach out to other people and hear their story and you can hear how they've done it. And that can change how you view how, what you're going to do. And other people, I feel like are, are always, there's always going to people who want to help along the way and, and just leveraging that through whatever outlet it is, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or even Facebook or, you know, non-traditional channels like meeting up, Slack, whatever it may be, really, really tap into to getting advice and, and using that to, to help you. And then once you have that, arming yourself with the Natural Strength Finder book that I talked about before, mm. um, together with knowing your strengths combined with the advice of other people about how to navigate it, I, I don't really think you can go wrong. And I think that's industry agnostic. I tried to pick something that wasn't specific to my background, which is tech. So just for all of you out there, good luck. Know that people are rooting you on and mm -hmm. you're gonna have help along the way. And you know, it's like, it's like a race. And there are people cheering you on on the sideline. Mm -hmm. They can't do it for you, but they're gonna be there for you. And sometimes that's all you need is knowing that somebody else believes in you to, to, to make you finish. Yeah. And it's like, you can have as many cheerleaders as you want or need by reaching out to people. I think your network is probably one of the most underutilized resources, which I'm really glad you brought this up because it's something that we hear, like it's a best practice to reach out to your network and ask people questions to hear their stories. And I found it incredibly, incredibly helpful for my career but I think oftentimes people don't know how to reach out or they don't know how to start. And so it's one of those things where it's a best practice, but people tend to overlook it or not do it. So it's really great to hear from you as a recruiter. And again, highlighting how important it is 
to reach out to people. Exactly. And I think that what's powerful is it's, it's like, like you said, it's, it's like right there almost. It's like already there for you, but you don't really think about like using that, right? You think about going all these other methodical routes of, of how to get there. But what I've learned is that relationships are, they're so crucial for um, helping you kind of navigate your way into, into a new industry or, or new role. And other people really are willing to kind of put themselves out there because everybody goes through this period. And, and frankly, I think everybody wants to be happy and, and they want to know that they could help somebody else be happy in their job. So yeah, like I said, Youngshi has this great template. I don't know if there's some way she could share that again with, with you all, but it's this great you know, way to reach out to people on LinkedIn you don't know, you know, kind of like those second connections or third connections. But for the people that you do know, even if you haven't talked to them in a while, you can just say, hey, it's been a while. Would love to reconnect because I'm trying to get into this. And I think you have really awesome experience. People love being told that they have awesome experience in something. And so, yeah, it will, I think, like she said, it really doesn't hurt. Um, and I think we're just scared of it because again, we get in our head about how other people think about us, but really what matters at the end of the day is getting you to the point where you want to be. Yeah. And I can vouch that people get really excited about helping others and, you know, going on these chats. So thanks for bringing that point up. I'll include that resource template in the show notes below. And then lastly, what parting concrete advice do you have for those who are listening right now and they're contemplating whether they should go for that less traditional, more creative career? We're just going to squeeze all the insights out of you today, by the way. Absolutely. I think the best thing that I can leave you with is uh, actually this quote that Youngshi gave me a long time ago, which is, I'm curious, you are amazing. Don't forget that. And actually she gave me this quote after a breakup, but a career change is kind of like a breakup. If you think about it, it's, it's leaving your current employer or your current role for something you think is going to make you feel happier as a person. And so I think when you're going through it, that's what you doubt the the most is yourself because you feel like maybe it was my fault that this didn't work out, but Mm -hmm. it's not your fault. And you, whoever you are out there listening, you are amazing. And I know it. And I'm a recruiter and I would love for you to know that when you tell that to some other recruiter, when you're going through your job search, that you own your story and you empower yourself. So yeah, that's what I'd leave you with. It's not very concrete, unfortunately, but it is important for people to know that one thing I was told was to be more confident and going through this career change. I don't think I had a choice. I had to become confident to be where I am today. And I'm, I'm grateful. Mm. That's really incredible. I really love that quote. And it reminds me of another quote that I've been hearing recently is that, you are more infinitely loved than you'll ever know. And there's just something so beautiful about that. You know, the universe is rooting for you, cheering you on. You are enough as you are. Beautiful. And this career change doesn't take away any of that. It just means you're building a better future for yourself. And thank you for the idea of careers are like relationships. I wrote something about that recently and I will probably do a um, podcast episode on it because there's just so much to explore right there, right? Absolutely. And yeah, where can we find you for your updates or advice? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on LinkedIn. 
I, you know, I'll post about different things with recruiting. And if you ever have a question, just please feel free to DM me. I don't believe there's ever a dumb question out there. So I always want to help. And I'm one of those people on the sideline cheering you on. So uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me there. And I look forward to connecting, hopefully, with some of you in the future. We're the biggest cheerleaders cheering you on right now. And thank you so, so much, Christy, for your such insightful advice and you being so open with sharing your story and your genuineness and just really empowering advice for us and people who are listening to really delve deep into who they are because they are amazing as the way they are and that it's a hundred percent possible to own our careers own our story and have that creative fulfilling career so thank you thank you so much yeah and thank you Youngshi. i love being here i think you really have helped me to kind of reflect on my own journey and i'm glad i could share it today and yeah just wishing all the best always to you and your listeners so many goodies in this episode right if you can think of one person in particular who would find today's message really helpful on their career change journey please please share this episode with them it can make a huge difference and as a big thank you for being here one of the most common questions that i get is how do i get unstuck and so i put together a free guide that you can use to help you break out of the rut and start taking steps towards a career you love through a get unstuck side project you can get that guide for free over at onemonthprojects.com get unstuck enjoy and see you next week